destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. became as dead men. For I know, for I know, 
He is not here. He is not here. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is not here. For he has risen as he said. For he has risen as he said. Come. Come see the place where the Lord used to lay. Remember how he said, while he was yet in Galilee? Remember how he said, while he was yet in Galilee? What did he say, Sopranos? Resurrection Sunday. Yes. Yes. Happy Easter. This is what makes Christianity different from all other religions. The fact that Jesus died on that cross and in three days he rose from the dead. Happy Resurrection Sunday. To God be the glory. We're going to get right into our word this morning, and I hope and pray that you take the time to enjoy the celebration with your family. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, in the name of your son, Jesus, we come to you, O God. We thank you for the gift of Jesus. We thank you, O God. We thank you, O God, for the sacrifice that he made on that cross, O God. We thank you. For we know without that sacrifice, we would not have access to salvation. We would not have access to spend eternity with you. So God, we thank you this morning. We thank you. And we ask that you open up our hearts and you open up our minds to hear your word on this Resurrection Sunday, God. We ask that you resurrect something in each of us to be used for your glory and your honor. Amen, amen, and amen. This morning, I want to talk to you about your inheritance because your inheritance matters. On Good Friday, 
where I put out a message entitled, The Last Will and Testament of Jesus Christ. And it talked about the things that because Jesus lived and died and, and, and was raised from the dead, that we now have access to. And I want to talk to you and, and carry on that theme into this morning and tell you why your inheritance matters. First and foremost, what is an inheritance? Well, the legal definition for an inheritance is a legal transmission of possession or possessions after death. Legally, they're speaking of money and property, jewelry and businesses and all of the things that people can will to another to be considered as part of their inheritance. Another definition for inheritance is a condition or trait from a previous generation, such as you can have an inheritance of poverty. That that was passed on generations and generations of poverty has occurred in families. Social status. You know those that did not even work for anything, but because of what their last name is or, or because of the neighborhood that they live in, they have a social status that they inherited because of the dues that their parents or their grandparents paid. That also refers to sometimes political opinions and affiliation. Even wisdom is a trait that is passed down from previous generations. Another definition of inheritance is the reception of genetic qualities by transmission from a blood relative. This is things are, these things are, are beyond your control. You know, your height. And some of the women out there like me, you know, these voluptuous bodies that we had that we inherited from our grandmothers and our great grandmothers, you know what I'm talking about. Even your voice can sometimes be a genetic inheritance. My voice, when my mom passed on, nobody had ever told me that I sounded like my mom, but it seems like when she passed on, I kind of inherited her voice. And now every time I talk to a family member or one of my mom's friends, they say, you sound just like your mother. So those are the things that inheritance encompasses. The, the possession of not just material things, sometimes traits and sometimes even genetic qualities. Proverbs 13:22 says, "A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children." And we're going to as we get into talking about inheritance matters. We're going to get to a point where I'm going to ask you, what is it that you're leaving for your children and your children's children? But right now I want to talk to you about is what the inheritance was that Jesus left us. First, I want you to understand that Jesus was born for the sole purpose of being the ultimate sacrifice as payment on our sin debt and affirming our inheritance. I want you to stop for a moment and really, really think about what that means to be born to die, to pay a debt that you did not accumulate, that you did not owe, to just affirm inheritance for someone else. His whole life was selfless. 
Jesus' whole life had nothing to do with him, but everything to do to those of us who have claimed ourselves as believers. Jesus lived a sinless life as part of our inheritance, that we may have access to untainted wisdom. You know, it's been very important that we have access to untainted wisdom, which is truth, because everybody now is claiming their own truth. They're making up their truth as they go along, the truth that, that fits what they want to put parameters on, what feels good to them, what they think truth should be. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 31 reads, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. He's talking to believers right now. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were noble at birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Jesus lived a sinless life as part of our inheritance so that we could have access to untainted wisdom. Because of the wisdom of Jesus Christ, we, with our imperfect self, we who have fallen short of the glory of God, we can impact the world, we can shift the culture, we can walk in dominion if we recognize and embrace the wisdom that we have access to through our godly inheritance. I'm sure many of you understand and, and, and have been in a place like me where we have had parents and grandparents to pour wisdom into us. And when we were young, we were thinking of oh, these old wives' tales. They just old fashioned and we're, we're not really taking them serious. But when we look back on them now, some of the things that they said to us, some of the wisdom that they poured into us, it has resonated in our spirit. And we find ourselves regurgitating those same words. We find ourselves walking out those truths and that wisdom that they poured in us. And, and I bought a, a cup a couple months ago. And it says, OMG, mom, you were right about everything. And I have it sitting on my kitchen counter just to reference and remind myself that there was wisdom poured into me that is still there that I need to sometimes reach for. And though I did not take it serious in my youth that I need to be able to apply it now. That is the same thing with the wisdom of God. Jesus faced every challenge that we face. 
ridicule, satanic temptation, false accusation, ill-gotten intentions presented to him. The list goes on and on and on, but he held firm on the word of God so that he could provide us a part of our inheritance, a part of our inheritance, which is a living example of righteousness. I know you don't think of God's sinless life as that, but think about it was his living example of righteousness that we can point to and use as an example of how we should guide our lives. How we live our lives now, whether we realize it or not, we are setting up an inheritance for our children and our grandchildren based on the examples that we live out. I want you to know that children pay more attention to what you do, how you act and how you react than what you say and what you obey that they do. Jesus, after imparting wisdom and being a living example of righteousness, he told us that upon his death, he would send us a helper the Holy Spirit, to remind us of the wisdom that he provided and how he faced adversity with godliness. In John 14, I'm going to pull out some excerpts of that scripture. I'm telling you, I don't know how people say that the Bible is boring to read. Get you the, the message translation. I promise you it will speak your language, but you need to obtain the wisdom that is written in the Holy Scriptures. In John 14, if you start at verse 15, it says, If you love me, show it by doing what I've told you. I will talk to the Father and he will provide you another friend so that you will always have someone with you. This friend is the Holy Spirit. The godless world cannot take him in because it doesn't have eyes to see him, doesn't know what to look for, but you know him already because he has been staying with you and will even be in you. Jesus goes on to say, I will not leave you as orphans. I'm coming back. In just a little while, the world will no longer see me. But you're going to see me because I'm alive and you're about to come alive too. I'm going to pause for a moment. When you accept Jesus in the inheritance that he left for you, he comes alive in you. The scripture goes on to say, at that moment, you will know absolutely that I'm in my father and you're in me and I'm in you. I'm telling you these things while I'm still living with you. The friend, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send at my request, will make everything plain to you. He will remind you of all the things that I have told you. I'm leaving you well and whole. That's my parting gift to you. Glory to God. Peace, I do not leave you the way you were used to be. Left feeling abandoned, bereaved. So don't be upset. Don't be distraught. 
You've heard me tell you I'm going away and I'm coming back. If you love me, you will be glad that I am on my way to the Father because the Father is the goal and the purpose of my life. I told you this ahead of time, before it happened, so that when it happens, the confirmation will deepen your belief in me. Woo! That's a word for you. That's a word for you. I want you to notice that he said, the father is the goal of my purpose in life. Jesus' whole purpose was to reconcile us with his father. Because of our sins, we were separated, torn apart from God. Jesus came and paid that debt sin so that we could have access to reconcile ourselves to God. That is the purpose of Jesus' life. That is the purpose of Jesus' life. After imparting wisdom and being a living example of righteousness, Jesus told us that upon his death that he would send us a helper, the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus, as part of our inheritance, He put us on the board of the Kingdom of God, Inc. so that we could go about our Father's business, building the Kingdom. Everything up to now are tools that Jesus has left us in the inheritance. Tools, think about it. Tools to effectively complete the assignment of building the Kingdom of God. Our inheritance are tools. And if you know anything about tools, well, you don't really even have to know anything about tools to know that they're useless if no one picks them up and is willing to use them and willing to exhort some sweat behind them. Jesus provided us access to the wisdom that we needed. Then he set the example. Then he provided us with the help that we needed. Glory to God. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 20, there's a very interesting story. It says, walking along the beach of Lake Galilee, can you imagine how beautiful that is? Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who later renamed Peter, and and Andrew, and they, they were fishing, throwing their nets into the lake. It was their regular way of doing work. And Jesus said to them, come with me. I will make a new kind of fisherman out of you. I will show you how to catch men and women instead of perch and bass. The scripture says they didn't ask any questions. They just simply dropped their nets and they followed him. These men were fishing, using the ordinary means that they've always used to get the job done until Jesus came. And when they began to follow him, and when they began to embrace a whole new way of doing what they normally do, Jesus brought them into a new light. Following Jesus and walking in your inheritance will present things to you in a new light. God is trying to do something new. 
He's tired of us doing things the same old way that we've been doing and reaping no results. Not expanding his kingdom. Last but not least, our inheritance gives us access to eternity with God in the kingdom of heaven. John 17 reads, When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this eternal life that they know You, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Glory to God. And we have access to that same same pattern when we come to our end. How many of you are going to be to say, be able to stand before God and say, I glorified you on earth. I accomplished woo, the work that you gave me to do. How many of you will be able to say, and now Father, glorify me in your presence with your glory. When you walk in your inheritance, you're able to stand before God and say, I did what you had me to do. I took advantage of everything that you left me in the will. Thank you, God. Everything that you left me in the will, God, I took advantage of. I used the tools. I sat on the board of the kingdom of heaven. Oh, and I built your kingdom, oh God. I ushered them in. I became fishers of men, oh God. That is what your inheritance is about. That is why your inheritance matters. Now, there's some things that can keep us out of our inheritance. Let's go over the details of our inheritance and then I'm going to get into how to make sure that you don't cheat yourself out of your inheritance. When Jesus died on the cross, he confirmed that our sin debt was paid. Then he left us untainted wisdom. He left us a living example of righteousness and access to the Holy Spirit and a board seat on the kingdom of heaven, Inc., Every component of our inheritance leads us to access to eternity with God, to live with God, the creator of all things, the almighty God, the omnipresent God, the omniscient God, the the omnipotent God for all eternity in his house. But what will cost us eternity at God's house. How can we lose that access? I'm going to deal with this from a natural and then I'll go into the spiritual. 
I want you to think about it this way. What does it take for somebody for it to be okay for you to allow somebody to move into your house? The same thing that keeps you from allowing certain people to live at your house will allow God to say, no, you can't live in my house for eternity. Disobedience. When someone is disobedient to the guidelines that you have set for your household, you're not too anxious to allow them to move in. When they're not willing to contribute to the maintenance of the house. When they lay around lazy. When they look like they're wanting something for nothing. These are not the people that you swing your doors open to and allow to move in your house. And neither does God. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 17 reads, Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral or, or idolaters or adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkard, nor the slanders, nor the swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Any of those things disqualify you to take part of the inheritance that God left you. And that is what some of you were. The scripture says, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of Lord Jesus Christ and the spirit of our God. When Jesus died on that cross, you were sanctified, you were justified. You had a clean slate. Now it's all about what you have put on that slate. Scripture goes on to say, I have the right thing to do, you say. I've done the right thing. I know what to do. You know how that attitude goes. I know what's right for me. Scripture says, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything I want to do. That's what our attitude is. Everybody's talking about their rights. Scripture says, but I will not be mastered by anything. He says, you're arrogant enough to say food for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised Jesus from the dead. And he will also raise us from the dead. When you are raised from the dead, you will have access to eternity depending on how you handled and invested your inheritance. Now there's a disgrace for not claiming your inheritance. In the natural world, if an inheritance goes unclaimed, what happens? It's passed on to the next of kin. And if the court cannot find or identify the rightful heir, the assets and the properties are absorbed by the state. Someone who the inheritance was not even intended for. 
Some children never embrace or use their inheritance as intended or as a foundation to build greater. Why? Lack of vision, laziness. They've lived entitled, not been taught any discipline, lack of wisdom, don't have an appreciation for the sacrifices made for their inheritance. You've all seen it where businesses, the parents pass on, a thriving business closes because the children did not have the discipline, the wisdom, or the appreciation for the sacrifices that were made for them to have the inheritance that they have. As believers, we see it all the time. Those of the world reaping the benefits of inheritance that was laid up for the righteous solely because believers don't go after their inheritance. They don't see the value in it. They don't walk in a spirit of wisdom. They walk lazy. Focus has been turned towards the world. Many of the things unbelievers have, they have it because believers won't walk in their inheritance, because believers won't stand on righteousness, because believers won't speak out against injustice, because believers won't call sin, sin, because believers won't discipline their own body. Because believers, those who have been left an inheritance, won't filter what they say, won't filter what they see or hear. Through the inheritance of the wisdom that they were left. Just because an inheritance was left for you doesn't mean that there won't come a time where you have to fight for it. Now, I know some, I'm not the only one that was in the world and, and was clubbing. And back in the day, in the 80s, Ashford and Simpson, so some of you may remember in your clubbing days, had a song that said, love don't always make it right. And the lyrics went to the song and it says, sometimes you have to fight for it. And I know some of you want to quote the scripture, love covers a multitude of sins, and it absolutely does. But I want you to notice what the scripture says. It says love covers a multitude of sin. It does not say that love covers all sins. We as believers act like Jesus was a marshmallow flavored savior. In Luke 12 and 51, Jesus asked the question, do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. In other words, he who was the epitome of righteousness knew that in order to maintain, to main, remain on the side of righteousness, it was going to cause some discord. It was going to cause some disruption. It was going to cause some controversy. It was going to make some folks mad. And in Ephesians 6 and 12, scripture says that we don't fight against flesh and blood. So don't get it caught up like that. Don't think that Jesus wants you to go around punching and slapping folks. That's not 
the key. It tells us that the only way to fight unrighteousness is by putting on the full armor of God, which is the collective components of our inheritance. Have you ever dissected the armor of God? It is the collective components of our inheritance, access to truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation. Don't let the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross to affirm our inheritance be in vain. Jesus rose from the dead to confirm who he was so that there would be no doubt in the power that he possessed. There would be no doubt in the truth of the wisdom or the inheritance that he left us. Jesus' resurrection also gives us confidence in the fact that Satan does not win. That Satan has no power over righteousness if we choose the will and the ways of God. If we do things according to what God has mandated and we use the tools that God has provided for us in our inheritance, Satan will have no power over us. Will he come for us? Will he try us? Will he tempt us? Will he put stumbling blocks in our path? Absolutely. Because he stays on his job. But if we remain committed to righteousness, Satan can't win. Because Satan is not greater than our God. Sin is not greater than righteousness. Christ's resurrection is the most remarkable occurrence in all of history. There are things we have allowed to die in our lives. Things that may not be completely dead but are on life support and slowly dying that we need to resurrect. I'm talking about our visions, our hope, our peace, our joy, our prayer lives. On this day, the very day that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I invite you to claim resurrection in your life. I invite you to claim your inheritance. Let us pray. Father God, in the name of your son, Jesus, glory to God. We come before your throne today celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Oh God, but this Easter Sunday, we will not allow it to be just another traditional pastime. On this day, Lord, we thank you for loving us enough to clothe yourself in flesh and to come down on earth and to pay our sin debt and to affirm our inheritance. On this Easter Sunday, Lord, we say we accept our inheritance. We will no longer take for granted what it costs you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We will no longer take for granted what it costs you to love us as much as you do. 
We accept every component of our inheritance. We accept your wisdom, O oh God. We accept your example of righteousness. We open up our spirit to the Holy Spirit as our guide. Lord, we accept our seat on the board of the kingdom of heaven incorporated. Lord, we ask that you keep our minds aligned with your will. We ask that you keep our ways aligned with your ways, Lord. We ask that you give us strength where we're weak. Let us be a blessing to others. Let us stand as light in darkness for the sake of the kingdom. Lord, we give you honor today. We give you glory. As we say amen, amen, and amen. We thank you so much for joining in on this Easter Sunday and being part of Bible Deliverance Virtual Service. We ask that you visit us online and go online and register so that we can keep you in the loop. On our website, you can submit prayer requests. If you have any biblical questions, they fall to meet in They do. Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance. You're my cup, my cup. Oh, Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance In me, the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places Preserve me, Lord, in you I place my trust For I have no good apart from you Good inheritance. Oh, yes, sir, yes, I, yes, I have a good inheritance.
lines around me All for my good All for my good
than you
here for a second, Pastor Cobb. I thought you 